Welcome to Whining with Nurses with special guest Amber, sister of Sarah. <laughs> okay, then. We go to work, and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, because you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Hello. Hi. What's up? Welcome to Whining, whining with, with Nurses. nurses. I'm Sarah. I'm Kat. And I'm Amber. Amber's my sister, everybody. Yay! Welcome, She's Amber. visiting from across the country, all the way from Virginia. Good old Virginia. She got here at really early this morning, especially for her, because she's three hours Oh, yeah. Wow. Ahead. Yeah. Yes, yeah. ahead. Something. Anyway, she's a radiation therapist, and she's going to tell us all about her stuff today. Sure am. <laughs> Is there a difference between a radiation therapist and a radiology tech? Those yes. are different things. Okay. Yes. Good. Um, I don't know anything. We're going to get all of it. We're going to get all in it. Um, so welcome to our podcast. Uh, in case you haven't been here with us before, uh, Kat and I are nurses. This is a, a nursing podcast, but anybody can listen because most of you have um, something weird that came out of your body at some point, be it a sound or a substance. Um, let's talk about those things. Yeah. Maybe. And go on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's fine. We drink some wine and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Amber, do you, you picked mm. out the wine today. You want to tell us about it? Here, I'm going to let you read there, it. I saw it on the shelf and I said, this is it. That's what I do. <laughs> that looks good. <laughs> we'll take that one. <laughs> uh, it's called Rayburn Russian River Valley Chardonnay. Ooh, Ooh fancy. 2016. Oh, let's do mm-hmm. it. See if we have it any descriptors here. Hmm. Not really. Let's see. Rayburn hails from the Russian River Valley in West Sonoma County. I've heard of that place. You have. <laughs> have you ever yeah. been there? I uh I think I've been there. <laughs> so yeah, let's see. Fresh layers of green apple and pear are accented by a creamy richness due to cerulei aging. Is that something Cere- new? What? I don't know. Cerebellum. Cerebellum. Cer S E R L I E. Sour apple and like creamy doesn't surly aging. That doesn't sound right, though. Like sour apple. Is that what it said? And pear and creaminess? Right. We'll see about we'll that. We'll be the judge of all let's this. Let's pour on a glass and try it on. Here we go. Try it out. Try it on. Try it on. How was your weekend, Sarah? It was that good. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, actually. Oh, so we're, we're recording here at the Laugh Cellar, and I spent part of my weekend here. And you yeah, did too. Yeah. We came on Thursday for the Comedy Fest, which was so fun. I had a good it was time, really did you? Fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good comedians, good people, good company. Yeah, it was um, a really fun vibe. And then the next day, I actually wanted to tell you about this. I randomly was on like this walk and ran into these super fun people um, at, and then I got lost. So I, Spring Lake. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had to work. Um, 
me to work picnic. Oh, that's yeah. when you got lost. You were on your like, way to our picnic. Yeah. 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 I got really lost. Uh, I was like an hour or something late and I was bringing the drinks. Sorry, everybody. Uh, no, it was fun. Did you have a good time? I had so much fun. Yeah. yeah I was a little worried about how it was all going to mm-hmm. go down, but it seemed to go really well. Everybody was happy. Mm-hmm. There was plenty of food. Mm-hmm. It was a nice shady area. Lots yeah, of perfect. alcohol. Like, yeah. I thought we were going to be low. I thought we were going to run out. When I told uh, our boss how much I spent on beer, he said, well, you didn't get enough. (laughs) So then Saturday morning, I ran to the store and got more beer. And then our cooler was completely jam-packed full of beer. And now we have a bunch of leftovers at our house. What did you do with it? It's on the porch in a cooler. It's a lot of beer. Mm -hmm. And, well, it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) You got to advertise the podcast a little bit. What's that? I said we got to advertise the podcast a little That's bit because true. we told the doctors about it, which I'm like, I don't know how I feel about them like listening. Is it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it like, how are, they, Is it weird? <laughs> like, what are they going to think about us now? Do they think those dumb nurses, they're <laughs> so dumb. Well, I told you. So <laughs> after on our first episode, we were talking about, um, I had said how I'd never done an enema. And after that, <laughs> so after that podcast, I went back into work and one of the doctors had listened to it and I was walking past him and he stops me. He goes, so you've really never done an enema? I was like, well, you listened to the podcast. It's like, no, but I can practice. He's like, today's your lucky <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, so there we go. I haven't pooed yet. <laughs> just kidding. Ew. <laughs> yeah. You should give yourself one just for shits and giggles. Mm-mm. Uh, literal shit that's fine alcohol makes me poop (laughs) have I said that before it does like two sips and I always gotta poo I hold it for the podcast all alcohol or is it specific types Um, it's usually beer maybe it's just usually like beer and I guess it's just beer I don't know we're gonna find out pretty soon I haven't tried this yet have you tried it (laughs) no I've just smelled it and I noticed that it doesn't have a super oaky smell you know Chardonnays can be oaky or not depending on what type Mm. of barrels they're aged in. And I thought most of the Chardonnays in the Russian River Valley were really oaky. Anyway, I haven't tasted it, so maybe it tastes like It's really, it's sweet. It is sweet and smooth. All right, trying to, let me taste that. Uh Oh, yeah. It's got some creaminess. um, Caramelly. I don't know. I don't know. I never know what I taste. It tastes good, though. Good pick. Good find. Is the other bottle the same thing? It's the same. Okay, yeah. I'm glad you brought two. Yeah. I always think we should have be a little more drunk. (laughs) Or pre drink. I don't know. We got started earlier today. We went to the brewery and had a couple of beers and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then we had a nap in between. That's a good... That's how you have to do it. Oh, it makes you so sleepy if you start Mm -hmm. like halfway through the day. Also, didn't you say like you would only come on here if you pre-drank? A little bit. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> she's looking at me. It was kind of like, wake up, let's go. And I didn't have time to drink anymore. Oh, dang. Well, yeah. sip some more. Yeah, we have two bottles. We can get to the- chug this down. <laughs> can you tell our voices apart? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think we sound so much alike, but I bet you probably have a much nicer voice than I do. Uh, I'm like the the country version. It's like on Snoopy where he has like the Southwest cousin or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he's just like pretty much the same, but he has a mustache. And <laughs> you sound a little more like smooth and drawly, oh, okay. just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like kind of longer. That low Southern drawl. Yeah. But no, I was expecting, well, she, she was like, oh, you're going to meet my sister and you're, you can really hear her accent. 
And then I was like, oh, you don't sound like you have an accent. But then when you listen, it's a little longer. The words right. a little, you know, anyway. Yeah. After a few drinks, it'll probably get a little worse. So if you're there, does it sound like people here have an accent? Like, do, how far do you have to go to like, you know yeah, what I mean? It's funny because I definitely think Sarah's accent has changed mm. since she's been here. Um, so like when she comes home to visit, uh, I think like the longer she's there, she starts to kind of fall back into mm-hmm. her old voice. But yeah, I mean, what she talking about? <laughs> no, I mean the the accent here is pretty neutral. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So it Except, doesn't sound like people have an accent that are talking to you. For the most part, no. Okay. Or do we? I don't know. End our sentences end with a question. <laughs> Did you just say the same thing at the same time? I was thinking it. <laughs> So fun having siblings on here. It's so fun to drink wine with you. <laughs> this is Chardonnay. Is it? <laughs> this does taste a little, uh, a little like candy apple. I think it's. I'm not getting a tart apple, but yeah, mm. the sweetness. It was mm. really good. I'm actually really liking it. Like I want to remember this bottle. We should uh, take a picture and put it up on our social medias. Guess what? We will. So people can enjoy it with us. <laughs> well, golly gosh, I think we just will. Oh, golly gee. <laughs> um, well, why don't you tell us about your job? <laughs> My job. Okay. Well, I'm a radiation therapist. Um, I work out of a hospital. Some uh, cancer centers are hospital-based, some are not. So um, I am affiliated with a hospital. Um, and it's really, when you compare it to a lot of other healthcare jobs, especially within the world of radiation, allied health, nursing, um, it's really more of like a nine-to-five job, mm-hmm. um, which is one thing that attracted me to it. Um, we work Monday through Friday. Uh, we have a set schedule of patients. Um, so, you know, a typical day would be we come in, um, we warm up the machines. We work with machines called linear accelerators. So you get them to jog a couple laps around (laughs) and we're like, say, jumping jacks. Wake up, wake up. We got to treat some patients here. What is a linear accelerator? So they are the machines that deliver the radiation. Um, so it's lasers. It's, it's it's magic. Is it the radiation where like people get their heads like in those things like stuck to the table that kind of or is it it, like with a mask right yes okay yeah so um we have two different linear accelerators at the um center that i work at so um let's see we got to warm up the machines and then we have our little daily huddles we just kind of talk about our patients for the day if there are any issues or um, concerns and then we treat patients um, typically in 15 to 30 minute slots hmm. and we'll treat like 30 to 40 patients a day or more um, just wow. um, depending on how busy it is at the time. Between yeah. how many therapists? Um, so we usually have five therapists staffed a day. Right now we treat on two different linear accelerators. So we'll have two therapists per machine. And then we have um, our planning portion, um, which is called simulation. And that's with a CT scanner. So we'll have usually one therapist who does that. So one person, you, for example, will see 15 to 20 patients personally per day. Yes. Whoa, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, and it can be more, it can be less. It just kind of goes in waves, just depends on how busy we are at that time. And um, so, you know, we start treating around 8, 8.30, and then we just go until we're done. So sometimes mm-hmm. you're done at 3.30 in the afternoon. Sometimes you go till 6, 7 in the evening. And what's like the patient's experience? So if a patient were to arrive, so we kind of hear what your side is, what mm-hmm. would they be? I'm just really curious, like, what would they be doing? You so know? their whole process, um, kind of from start to finish, you know, after they see our doctors, which are radiation oncologists, um, they... Um, 
determine that they are going to get treated. So then they set them up for a day that's called simulation day. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the treatment planning portion of things. So they come in and they get a CT scan. And what we're doing is we're setting our patient up in the position that they need to be treated in every day. Um, The main thing with radiation therapy is precision and accuracy. We need to be able to... um, you know, get the patient in the exact same position every day so that we're treating exactly what we want to treat. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, say we're treating a brain, like you said, we will make a face mask um, to, you know, keep their head still and hold them in that that position. We'll draw some marks on the mask um, that show us where we want to set up to. Mm -hmm. Um, For other parts of the body, you know, with a mask, we can draw marks on the mask. If it's, say, we're treating uh, prostate, we're going to give tattoo marks on their actual body that show us where to set up. So, um, you know, we do a CT scan. Our doctor comes and looks at the images and kind of pinpoints the area that we're going to treat. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that shows us where we want to draw our marks and give the tattoo marks. And then explain, so so the CT scan shows you where the cancer is? um, Yes, it does. Well, you know, and the doctor already has a pretty good idea. They've already had some diagnostic um, studies done. This isn't really a diagnostic quality CT scan, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just allows them to say, hey, here is where I want you to line up to. Oh, so it's more about anatomical position. Are your bones in the right place that they were this last time so that you're... Right, exactly. And other things, I mean, some things you can see and some things you can't. Like for a prostate we're treating the prostate, you know, and you don't see the cancer there. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you typically don't, you're just, here's the prostate, we're going to treat everything. Um, but for like a lung, you can see a, no- a lung nodule a lot mm-hmm. of times. So that makes sense. Um, you know, for metastatic brain disease on our images, we can't really see, but usually we'll treat the whole brain. Oh, um, it's so. not like one. Wow. I thought it was like one small area. Now it can be it not, um, you know, we can treat isolated areas. Mm-hmm. It just depends on, you know, what the diagnosis is. But, um, you know, a lot of times if it's metastatic or um, a lot of times we'll treat brains palliatively um, or, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, prophylactically. Okay. Um, so if somebody has lung cancer, the number one place for metastasis from lung is to brain. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, um, you know, we're treating Hang lung. On. and we all know what metastasize means. Can you, can you explain sure. for people who don't? That just means spread of the cancer okay. outside of the original and area. also prophylaxis. <laughs> prophylaxis. That's that is condoms. preventative. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is <laughs> preventing something from happening that hasn't happened. So, um, you know, we'll go ahead and set the patient up to treat their whole brain, um, mm. even though they don't have cancer there yet. Um, they, they're just like, let's go ahead and just do this. Right. And so you're assuming that there's probably some somewhere right. and you're going to go ahead and radiate it and get rid of it before it starts to grow. Yes, exactly. So for a prostate, where would you, is there like a little tube that points the radiation to that specific area? No, or? um, it's external. So, um, we use like a light system. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So they come in and they have their CT scan. Um, yeah, sorry, we're totally getting used yeah, to that. We have so many questions. <laughs> so they have their CT scan and, and they sorry, have their planning. They day. have a CT scan before every single treatment or just well, that one some, time? Some people do, but everybody has this one simulation scanning day. Okay. Um, from this day, everything that you do is based off of what you did that day. Um, mm. So they take those images and build the treatment plan off of that. 
And so like for a prostate, we'll make a mold for their legs to fit into so that their legs are in the exact same position every day. Mm. Um, for breast or lung, um, we'll use you know a mold for their arms to fit into. They'll, we'll treat them with their arms above their head. Um, so it just depends on whatever part of the body we're treating, we'll use a different immobilization device. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they have that treatment planning day. We give them all their marks um, and then they leave. And usually about a week or two later is when their plan's ready. So we have them come back and then we have them in the treatment room. And on that first day, we set them up according to their marks and then we'll take images and we'll compare those images to the CT scan. And mm -hmm. then that's where we'll make our little shifts. Um, you know, so scoot your be, butt this way or well, we go don't, to the bathroom. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes, okay. sometimes go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of patients have to be treated with a full bladder, actually. Oh. So, you know, different instructions for different things, but... Um, you mean just like a prostate patient, we need a full bladder? Yes. Obviously, it wouldn't matter for breast? Correct. Okay. Yeah, so for a prostate patient, um, you know, and this can vary from doctor to doctor, mm -hmm. um, but for us... Um, for a patient to have a full bladder, what it can do is it can hold the, so the bladder sits above the prostate and having a full bladder can kind of hold the prostate in a stable position. Um, and it can also push some of the small bowel up mm. and that will take it out of the treatment field so that it won't be getting mm. radiation mm -hmm. and um, they'll have reduced side effects. But then is the bladder being more radiated? So um, if you think about, um, no. So. It actually um, gives less of the bladder a radiation dose because if you think mm. of an empty bladder and it's right. small. Yeah, so part of it's out yes, of the way. correct. Okay. It's kind yeah. of pushing more of it sense. out of the way, yeah. which that can be really challenging for somebody who's getting treated for prostate cancer because they already have the symptoms of urgency, <sighs> right. you know, frequency mm -hmm. and things like that. So it can be really tough for them to have a full bladder. For um, 30 minutes? For Yes, so we have them typically about an hour before um, treatment go ahead and drink like 20 ounces um, let, you know, let their bladder fill and then they have to hold it. Yeah. So about 30 minutes, mm -hmm. um, from start oh. to finish for their treatment. And then they have to do that like every day, Monday through Friday for like six weeks. Wow. So yeah. it's daily. Everyone it is. is everyone's daily or it depends on the cancer. It depends, but most people are daily. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, they'll come in on that first day and you'll set them up and you'll take images and you're saying, okay, this verifies that we're in the same position that we want you to be in. Mm -hmm. The doctor will look at all of the images and say, yes, all systems go. And then we'll do their treatment. So um, the linear accelerator, the head of it's called a gantry and it rotates gantry. around. Gantry? Yeah, a gantry. <laughs> that sounds like somebody we went to church with. <laughs> Good old gantry. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> well, I'll be. It's gantry. So it can rotate around, you know, 360 degrees and treat from all different angles. Okay. Um, so yeah. And does it have, like what I was saying earlier, is like, so there's just lights that are guiding where that, so if prostate, it would be coming from the top going down to the prior, or how does, and is there like a tube showing you where the, or there's just the light? So imagine, <laughs> like, oh, I'm not imagine following like, what you're imagining. Um, okay, I, I don't know. So we have what are called <laughs> treatment fields, and mm -hmm. those are the shapes that we're treating, basically. Uh -huh. um, so... Think of like when you're getting an x-ray and they have the light that shines, like say you're getting your hand x-rayed. You put your hand on the table and they have a light that shines on your hand mm -hmm. and it's like shaped in a square. Right. Um, that's showing you what is getting x-rayed. Okay. So basically this is like that, only it doesn't have to be a square. Um, right. It can be, you know, whatever shape they've determined. So we verify by seeing that light 
um, you know, that we're treating the area that we want to treat. Oh, that's what, it, yeah, it was like. So you can make a kidney bean shaped yes. treatment field if you want, if you think there's a cancer that's shaped like that and you want to. Right. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. And so then we'll actually draw that on their skin just to verify, like we'll t- draw the picture on the first day, take, take a photograph of that for their records. And then the next day, like we instruct them to try not to wash those marks off. Mm-hmm. Um, we just use a Sharpie marker though. Typically they kind of fade, but you know, the next day when we set them up and we, we see visually that the light is still hitting that area. Mm-hmm. So is that what you meant by the tattoo? No, the tattoos are actual tattoos. permanent tattoos. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, they'll get um, typically a tattoo on either on each side of their body. So again, for a prostate mm-hmm. on each hip, they'll mm-hmm. get a tattoo and then they'll get like one on the top. Like, um, what does it look like? Um, just like, um, like a freckle. Yeah. It's oh, just a like dot. a dot. Okay. It's just a black dot. Yeah. Huh. So it keeps kind of you in the target zone to line everything up. And- yes. Huh. We use like a laser system. So the um, lasers, lasers will shine on their skin. <laughs> And um, so the lasers will form a crosshair. And so we get the crosshairs of the laser to line up with a tattoo. Okay. So interesting. Wow. And then um, what are like the side effects? I see like, I've seen like pictures. I don't know if any of this is real, but of, you know, like redness and pain. and Right, right. So with radiation, um, you know, and some people... Are not super familiar. Like, oh my god, she's gonna drop this. Oh, I'm trying to pour happening. the wine <laughs> across the wine. table by flipping my arm backwards and <laughs> leaning on my toes. Got the job done. <laughs> it work. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, with radiation, you are going to get side effects just in the area that we're treating. So a lot of mm-hmm. people are more familiar with chemotherapy, where right. it's more of a systemic mm-hmm. treatment, and um, you know that you can get hair loss and things like that. Well, with chemo, with radiation therapy. You get hair loss if we're treating your head, you know. Right. So, um, you know. Site specific. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, with the breast, uh, you know, you can get some skin redness, um, things like that. Some people will go through their treatment and really not have any skin changes. Mm -hmm. Other people just tend to be a little more sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. And they can get some really nasty, I hate to call them burns, but... Right. Um, burns, basically. Yeah. I've seen pictures where their skin gets really dark yeah. and stays kind of that way forever. Some people, yeah, some people do, their skin stays that way. Some people, after, you know, several months, it, it turns, mm-hmm. you know, returns to normal. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's different. Right. Anything else? Like, what, any other side effects? Oh, I mean, yeah, it really just depends on what we're treating. So, um, you know, for, back to the prostate, you know, um, some of the small bowel will be in the treatment field inevitably. And mm-hmm. so, you know, after several weeks of radiation, they might start to get diarrhea, um, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, trying to think of what else. So like, what about the brain? The brain, you know, it, it really depends on the dose. A lot of times people don't really notice anything from brain, but sometimes, you know, like I said, depending on the dose, they could notice um, a little bit of disorientation, confusion, mm-hmm. headache things mm-hmm. like that, some vision changes. Um, but a lot of that is just, you know, w- when they're done with treatment after several weeks, they kind of return back to normal. Um, and what's really rough with side effects are things in like the head and neck area, like, um, you know, throat and esophagus, things like that. They, you know, tend to get really irritated and are mm-hmm. unable to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when it's pretty rough. Yeah. What if somebody has 
really significant side effects? And could you put the treatment on hold for a couple yeah, of days? Or? And that, that does happen sometimes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of times if we have a, a breast patient that we're treating and their skin really is just reactive to it, um, and, you know, they have some open sores even, uh, the doctor will put them on break for, you know, a certain number of days and bring them back and kind of evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had a patient, which I had never heard of this, um, she actually, they said she was allergic to radiation, huh, which I had really? never, I was like, is that real? <laughs> but, you know, they, she but just had radiation such a, everywhere. Right. I guess it's when people are super hypersensitive to the sun. Is that mm-hmm. a similar thing? Possibly. I okay. Mean, Sorry, that reminds me of like, you know, those weird sci-fi shows or, or weird diagnosis shows. Like no one's ever been able to diagnose my condition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like house. So I've, <laughs> no, but I mean like the fake real documentaries and people go on and say, yeah, essentially they want a house because no one can find the the diagnosis. Anyway, some people claim, well, I'm just like allergic to, I don't know, something in my environment. And I wonder if it's something like that. Like they're actually, people just think they're crazy. Like, well, I can go and I go in this area of town and I can just feel and people turn on their TV and the the Like I'm allergic to magnets. Hello, Sebastopol. Yeah, yeah, right. But, you know, like that's... Like I'm allergic to Wi-Fi signals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people in our area that... That really? That, yeah, that are really, they they really don't want cell phone towers or certain other uh-huh. towers in our neighborhood even. Huh. You know, there was a new cell phone tower that got put up and everybody made a big fuss about it. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, oh. they think it's, I don't know enough. So I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but yeah. some people seem to really think that hmm. it's going to do bad things to us. I'm sure that's real for some people. I'm yeah. sure it is. If we can think of it, it's probably real for probably. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I like to think of things. If I can rationalize a way that that's true, how it's actually affecting me, it's probably true. Right, right. I can feel like a microwave. So like if I stand near a microwave, it like makes my it's head hot. feel weird. Really? No. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it's not. Uh, it but, makes my mouth water whenever I'm <laughs> next to a microwave. <laughs> That's some other something. Conditioning. And no. I smell popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like I feel it. I feel a difference. I feel it in my head. It makes me feel really weird. Um, so I always have to like, step stand across the kitchen hmm, when I turn it on because I just don't like the way it makes my head feel. It's really huh. bizarre. Anywhere, anywhere there's a microwave, a microwave turns on, I always step across because sometimes if I'm really watching for something to not boil over, I'll stand there, but it's really in kind of this weird, uncomfortable feeling. It's not like <laughs> painful. It's just really bizarre. Hmm. Yeah, I um, don't know. Going back to what you were saying earlier about people claiming to be allergic to things, do you remember the day there was a guy in our office who said he was <laughs> allergic to hand sanitizer? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I remember tell you this story. So the guy... Um, so somebody runs into the nursing office and says they need a nurse. And I come out of the office and there's this man leaning against the wall right outside of our office. And he, I thought he was having a stroke. That was the first thing I thought because he wasn't responding to any of my questions and his eyes were just kind of rolled back. And his, he didn't have any facial droop or any classic stroke signs, except that he seemed confused. He couldn't answer any questions. Mm-hmm. So we get him in a wheelchair you know, people start getting things and taking his vitals. And I asked someone to call 911 and I'm questioning him, sir, what's what's going on? What's going on? And he won't answer me for the longest time. And finally he says, hand sanitizer, I'm allergic. Just like that too. Like he was actually <laughs> struggling to breathe or something. Yeah. And then Sarah grabs like- the EpiPen, like, I'm going to give you mm-hmm. this because you're allergic. And he's like, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, so I go back and well, get the epi Wait, pen. in that moment, did he like reel it in? 
like he, did he go from hand sanitizer yes. to no? Yeah, he yeah. Kinda, yeah. So hang on. So <laughs> I'm asking him, and he sounds like his throat is closed. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> I was, and I freaked out because I've never seen anyone have a true uh, anaphylactic reaction, mm-hmm. um, which is a really serious allergic reaction. Your throat can close up. So yeah, I go get the EpiPen, and I'm all hyped up because I've never given anyone an EpiPen, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm like, should I uh, just do this right through the jeans? Should I take his pants off? Do I need to swab it with alcohol? <laughs> you know, just stupid things. Things that you think about, and right as I'm telling him I'm going to do it, he looks me dead in the eye. All of a sudden, he's completely lucid. lucid. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you're not. And he's like, "Well, then I'm going to call." Na- no, you're not. Well, then you need to start telling me what's going Get on. Sarah, Sarah, together, Sarah gets real. Yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't even. I was just no. I was confused. I just said, "Uh, well, uh." Um, you just told me you were allergic, and then he goes back to his raspy voice. Get Stephen. <laughs> and I didn't know who Steven was. So, but fortunately somebody else did. And so they go back out to the waiting room. It was whoever brought him. And Steven comes in and he says, oh yeah, the hand sanitizer. He needs some fresh air. And I said, so he's, um, doesn't like the smell of it. <laughs> well, he said, they said it was something like PTSD. That's like what he, we were all saying. Oh. We no, were I all thought saying he that. said something. No, okay, no, no, no. We were all saying that. Maybe he had some, uh, some you know, connection. some okay. bad, you know, instance right. in a healthcare setting or something that caused mm-hmm. him PTSD. But, yeah. you know, he wasn't actually allergic to it. Yeah. Because nothing allergy-wise actually happened. He didn't get any rash. He didn't yeah. get any anaphylaxis, nothing, you know, no hives. I think it was mm-hmm. in his head. I think he was yeah. having like an anxiety or something. Which yeah. is a real yeah. thing. But if that's yes. a thing for you and you're going to a doctor's office, tell them, call ahead and tell them. Yeah. Hide all the hand all sanitizers. The yeah. And we have, I think we put a thing in his chart, like patient severely phobic of hand sanitizer. So hide it when just he comes in. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. seems to take care but of it. But also just, you brought up the EpiPen. So if people now have the question, am I supposed to swab? Am I supposed to, you just shoot it right through whatever they're wearing. You just mm-hmm. whack as hard just as you can. Jam it in. Were you a little disappointed that you didn't get to use it? Uh, <laughs> I feel like Sarah's always a little disappointed. She didn't get to do something a little Here's bit more. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Not for little... the patient, but like for, you know. <laughs> I was relieved and disappointed because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would have been a first. Now, um, you know, I keep an EpiPen in my <laughs> bag when I go rafting just in case somebody mm-hmm. gets stung by a bee and is allergic. <laughs> I'll be ready. Actually, <laughs> I don't even need to pull down your pants. You're not even wearing them. <laughs> no. You look swollen. Can, it, like, can I jab you with can this? I, yeah. is now? That, is um, it now? <laughs> did you get poison oak? Because I think you need this. <laughs> Ow, Sarah. Um, Why do you keep doing that? <laughs> I had a question, though. So yeah. how does, back to your job, Mm-hmm. Um, how does the radiation, I know radiation changes cells and mm-hmm. everything, but how does it actually kill the cancer? And is it also killing everything around it, which I assume it so, is? Anything yeah, so, it touches? And it doesn't radiate out <laughs> radiation? So, so when patients get their treatment they and they leave, they're not radioactive afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, they are getting the same thing as an x-ray. We're dealing with photons. So that's what x-rays are. It's just in a much higher dose. Mm-hmm. So it's like they get blasted with it, and then they're done. Um, so there's no residual radiation. Um, but radiation really attacks cells' uh, DNA. It destroys the cancer cells' DNA, and they're usually unable to repair themselves. Um, and in some of cells. the some of the surrounding healthy tissue, it is able to repair itself. So that's kind of the mechanism of how it works. Like, so it will damage some 
healthy cells. We've come a long way in our methods of treatment to where we um, are able to spare a lot more healthy tissue than we used to be able to. Mm. Um, but yes, there is still healthy tissue in the you know that gets radiated, but it's typically able to recover, whereas mm. the cancer cells can't, can't. Oh, because they're already deformed and they're not yeah yeah reproducing and healing themselves they're already like drunk they like cell. can't function again you know <laughs> right. like hydrate a little you'll be fine and they're they like, just it can't took do all that. I, I guess <laughs> took all i had to get to this point right yeah yeah and now we all put like, everything we had into this and here we are <laughs> right are people do people so does it just depend on the type of cancer that you qualify for radiation or do people like it's usually after chemo didn't work or it's concurrent um, or it again it all depends like certain types um so some people might get uh, surgery first. And so for a breast, they might get a lumpectomy. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to treat the whole breast to treat any residual um, mm. you know, microscopic disease okay. that might be left. Yeah. Um, some people get it concurrently with chemotherapy. Um, just kind of depending on the diagnosis, they, you know, they have certain protocols for certain things sure. that have been proven to work better sure. yeah. um, in a certain way. Some people will get... Um, chemotherapy first to kind of shrink down the um the tumor and then they might have surgery and then they might have radiation so it all just really mm -hmm. depends wow um, yeah. so you couldn't um this is gonna probably sound obvious but you couldn't treat leukemia or something with radiation right because so that's a blood cancer right. like we won't treat we can't really treat something that's systemic like that but if they have you know like an individual nodule mm -hmm. like an area that needs to be treated like a lymph node or something like that. We can do that. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, certain things are just, yeah, they, they'll just have chemotherapy. So not everybody will get radiation. Some people will just get chemotherapy. Huh. Um, Is it usually for worse situations or no, it mean, doesn't like maybe one isn't as bad so they just would do radiation or it's so bad they'll do all of the therapies I guess it's a little mixture of everything yeah yeah I mean it's really it really varies and sometimes um, radiation is just used palliatively so you know somebody who and palliative we, means it, it's treating just, symptoms yes and, it's not curative mm -hmm. um, but we're, yes we're just trying to um, give them a better quality of life to relieve some pain swelling things like that mm -hmm. um, so you'll get that a lot of times with metastasis like they'll um, some patients will get bone mets um, and it can be really really painful so what we'll, is that um, so that is when the cancer metastasizes to the bones mm -hmm. so it can go anywhere um, you know a lot of times it'll go to the spine or pelvis or one of your long bones like you know femur um, something like that so I can imagine that'd be really painful because is, even just yeah. getting kicked in the bone you know kicked in the shin mm -hmm. or bone bruise or you know mm -hmm. so it really hurts if it's sorry Oops. if it spreads to a bone does mm -hmm. it like make a tumor inside of it and that's what's causing the pain? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, and like, we even have patients who on the um, CT scan, when we go to do the treatment planning for bone, you can see that it's like completely deteriorated bone. Like mm -hmm. sometimes it's actually fractured. That's um, what I was wondering. We, like, does it push the bone apart and break it? Sometimes, yeah. We had this lady that we treated a while back that um, she, let's see, we were treating her humerus, and which <laughs> that is the long bone of the upper arm. Um, and <laughs> so that funny. big old long oh, bone that funny. comes from your shoulder. Um, so she actually had a fractured humerus. And so this is really disturbing. Every day when we would go to like lie her down on the table and get her arm fitted into her mold, it would pop out of place oh. and it would make a, an audible sound like a, a 
Oh like the oh, like from her no. shoulder, it would pop it, it would, out, just like, like mid oh, mid golly. shaft of the humerus, yeah. and it would just kind of pop forward, and you would see her arm bulge out, like you could see the skin, oh. and she'd be like, "Oh, pop down again," and oh she would gosh. just kind of like push it back into place. And oh, so, what was yeah. happening? Was it like bending, or was it like? It was actually like it was like two separate pieces, you know, hitting oh, each other, gosh. and they would just kind of one would push out. How does she deal with I don't that. know, but yeah. she didn't seem nearly as bothered by it as we did. How did she go? We were her? like, play it cool. Oh. This is not gross. It's not disturbing. Yeah. Um, but it would just take a really long time to help her lie back onto the table because it would happen like sometimes several times as we were trying to like ease her back onto the table. Oh my God. I can't yeah. even imagine. I mean, was she in pain? She sounds she's like, she, oh, well. she was, but I mean, I. There I don't goes know. She, must, arm. she must have been on like some pretty good meds because she truly didn't seem like wow that bothered. But I wonder how long. Do you know how long she was like that in that I'm, condition? I'm not sure. No, no but wow. Yeah. Some people let things. Not saying that this was her case, but some people let things go, mm-hmm. and then it's really yeah. disturbing. We had this guy that had a. So I'm not even sure what the what. Um, the diagnosis was exactly, but he had um, a lesion on his scalp, like on the very top of his head. And it must have started as a small thing, like a scab, whatever. Um, and he let it go and let it go. And this was an elderly man and he, his mental capacities were not all there. So I'm not sure what kind of resources he mm, had to get treatment. He might not have even noticed it for a right. while. And then he right. might have just thought it was eczema or something. Right. Or, okay. I, I'm not sure. But by the time he got to us for treatment, it was the size of a dinner plate, and it was this massive head wound. Oh, like, no. oh my! Just, could you see his skull? It, um, no, it was just more soft tissue. It was like broken down, and it was literally oh. rotting flesh. Like it was oozing. Oh, um, no. The smell was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And was he not really in pain because it was so deep? Yeah, I mean he. He would wince a little bit like we would have to place what's called a bolus on top of his for treatment, which a bolus is something it's different from what you guys call a bolus. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, like it's what one do you big mean? dose. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, like you're bolusing his brain. So sometimes we use special things that will manipulate the um, dose distribution uh-huh. or kind of shape the beam in a different way. Um, for him, we were treating with electrons instead of photons, which electrons we use for more superficial treatments, so like skin. Mm. So he had skin cancer. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you can do radio. Okay. Yes. Mm. Um, which we do a lot. We'll treat noses, ears, you know, a lot of facial stuff. Um, so anyway, we had to place, um, when you use a bolus, it's just like um, it comes in certain thicknesses, like a half a centimeter, a centimeter. Three millimeters. So hang on. Is a bolus a thing? It's an actual. So it's like a square of flabby material. It's like a tissue equivalent material. And so a lot of times we'll like place that over the treatment field to even force the the dose to go even more superficial because it's acting like skin. It's a little buffer. Yes. So superficial means not as deep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. A little closer to the surface. So we had to place that, and then we would take it off, and it would be, like, sticking to his head. Oh, my God. Oh, his no. head would ooze and bleed when we would take it off. And But honestly, he didn't seem to notice too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just really kind of, yeah. you know, unaware. Right. But was he really 
pretty old. He's probably in his mid seventies. This is horrible, but it makes me think of that SNL skit with the <laughs> massive head wound, Harry. Yes. <laughs> I've not seen that. Your dog probably smells my dog. <laughs> this guy would show up to a party and he had a massive head wound. It was just I, I bloody. About and it every single you day, know, he would lay down on their couch oh. and get blood on their couch, and then the dog would come and lick his head and oh, chew on his God, wound. And no. he says he probably smells my dog. <laughs> Yeah, it was gross. I'm going to hell. That sketch came to mind. It just made me think You have No, you aren't because you just have to have some sort of humor to get through seeing people like that. You just have to. When you work in the healthcare field, you you do develop like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone needs their humorous, but keep it contained. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think you develop this dark sense of humor Mm -hmm. because you you have to cope. I mean... Because some things can't really get mm-hmm. to you, um, but you have to have those little moments where you can just laugh. Yeah, right? and I think and I think it's important to explain that because out, outsiders or non healthcare people might think, "Oh man, look at those nurses or doctors. They're so like callous. I mean, callous. They don't mm-hmm. even care. They're just it's just a per, it's like another you know. And it's not. It, it's every person matters, but it matters so much that if you let it get to you, you right. can't do it's it. A and you preservation some, exactly. Yeah, someone to get through your job and to help people, you have to sort of build your yeah, have a mechanism to deal with it. It um, took me a while to figure that out. Actually, my first nursing job was in an oncology unit. Oncology is cancer treatment, um, and there were a few other things thrown in there too. It was actually a really, really depressing unit because we had oncology, so people would die frequently. Um, not every cancer treatment is successful. Mm-hmm. We also had um, a small unit for mothers whose babies were stillborn, so that was oh. really sad. We had uh, on the um, oncology floor. Yeah, it was a weird mix huh. of everything. We had a small hospice area, so people who were there specifically to you know for end of life care, and then we had gynecological and urological surgery patients. And Mm -hmm. they were really, you know, a little more demanding because they're healthy and they want to, you know, get well. And and so it was just super stressful. And I did not have this, you know, I had a sense of humor, but not about the patient care yet. I was Mm -hmm. too high anxiety. Everything Mm -hmm. was too real. And I was worried I was going to hurt someone or make a mistake. And, um, Anyway, I would just lock myself in the storage closet every day and cry. Oh, no, Sarah. It was awful. Oh, man. And then I would, um, you know, take it home, and I was just super stressed all the time. I went out one night uh, for dinner with friends, and this stranger, you know, we were talking with another group of people, and the stranger said, are you okay? You just seem really intense. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny, because, like, you know you now, and you're like, right. That's just Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm just going to go get a little white water and some wine. I'll Therapy. be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of had a similar thing. Like in school, um, I became really fearful of like death and aging because I I have a, I'm really sensitive to like animals and older people. So, because mm-hmm. they're kind of helpless and you have to advocate for them. And it's really sad because they don't want to complain or, um, I don't know, it was just really hard. And I uh, saw, you know, in the hospital and you see all these elderly people and you're like I do not want to end up like that Mm. and we're all headed in that direction not that everyone ends up that's the worst of the worst you know Um, but I remember this one patient in school 
I wasn't on that podcast, so I can share my story. <laughs> um, uh, this man, he like looked at me, and it was his day of discharge, and I was going in and getting things like ready for him to go. And he was kind of sad looking, and I said, well, is someone coming to get you? And he goes, well, I'm just really sad because, you know, it was me and my um, my wife, can't remember her name, um, 69th anniversary today. And, you know, she died, you know, five, ten years ago. So I have no one. I'm so lonely, and I'm so sad, and I don't ever want to go to. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he started to cry, and he was like 80 years old, you know, and I'm like this young 25, like, oh my God, I'm so, what can I do for you? So I, yeah, so I just like went and I, I made sure he didn't have any questions. I went over his instructions. I was like, is someone coming to get you? Can I, can I bring you anything? Like, or do you, you know, but you can't do anything. And it's so sad, especially just, he just missed his wife. You know, he just, and it was, and he just looks at you, this young person, and he's telling you this and you're like, but sometimes that's all you can do and that's the yeah. best thing you can do is just listen. Mm-hmm. Like so many people, especially people who don't have, you know, a, a big network of support, they just want somebody to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. just hear me out, stand here, look at yeah. me, be patient, don't rush. Right. You know, just listen right. to me. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference for people. Yeah. It and- does. Although you want to um adopt people sometimes you know what I mean yeah. we'll, we'll just we be friends outside of here some of the cutest <laughs> little elderly men that like we just want to take them home they're just so <laughs> sweet and cute mm-hmm. <laughs> then we treat then we treat some other people that you yeah. know like, <laughs> well, that's a, like, when are they finishing this? yeah <laughs> well, it's like everything too yeah, you're right. gonna see like a gamut of tons of different types of people right and, and some are challenging and others are you know and it's sad or they're funny or they're great and you love it you know mm-hmm. um but like working in cardiology so in our office we see a lot of there a lot of elderly and really sweet people and, and then I, I I've like I have like older parents so I've hung out with kind of older people my whole life and I love it because they have so much knowledge to share mm-hmm. on everybody but some of them you know and really good stories and right. um, so you sit with your patients which I really like office versus hospital and you have time to get to know them mm-hmm. over months. And they'll tell you, oh, we used to own this bar and I had this restaurant and we traveled the world and this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man. And now they're just sitting in our office because right. they have an issue. But like, you get to know them as, like, it's just it's, so yeah, cool. People That's have fascinating many, stories. Yeah. yeah. It's the same aspect that I appreciate about working in my field in radiation mm-hmm. therapy because you do treat people, you'll see the same people every right. day for like a couple of months. And you, yeah. you know, you learn those details about them. And it shouldn't come as any surprise, but you learn those things and you're like, oh, you are a whole person yeah you're not just a patient you are a person who has like needs and desires Mm -hmm. and family people who love you people you love right also and i I think the elderly especially people look at them as well you're just done you know Mm -hmm. your life's Mm -hmm. over we don't really care to talk to you you're old Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are we gonna you know what fun are we gonna have but it is so fun Mm -hmm. i have like a a knitting (laughs) so a knitting group um i'm into knitting so yeah okay and it's um it's called stitch and bitch Uh and so it's like once a month and they're all like 70 like like 60 to like 80 Mm -hmm. and it's me and i'm like you know like 30 so um it's really fun though they i just love it and um yeah but also it makes me sad like working and seeing those people when it's like my soft spot is hard every day Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I'm really interested in what you do. I think that's, I'm like, I want to do that. That's really neat. It is a really rewarding job. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, like I started by going through x-ray school, which not everybody who's a radiation therapist starts with that path, but a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you could be an x-ray tech, but then there are many other fields that you can branch off into, CT, MRI, sonography, things like that. Nuclear? Is that Nuclear medicine. Okay. Yes. That's um, one other area of radiation that we know about because we have a nuclear department. tech in our office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so like I'm going to go really... get the other bottle of wine, by the way. So. <laughs> go, for it. but yeah, what really drew me to radiation therapy was to be on the instead of being on the diagnostic side of things, you're actually on the therapeutic side of things. Like sad. we're using it to <laughs> their diagnostic side of things. Okay. No. Oh, did I, I love say? it. Yeah, like, yeah. Just like okay. notice it yeah. and I love it. Okay, continue. <laughs> Sorry. I have problems with the long eye. <laughs> with a piece of pie. Um, yes. I do so, actually. Like, yes. If I want to say a long eye, mm-hmm. I have to really concentrate on yeah, it. Like to be is. on the therapeutic side the of things. Side. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. I'm back. I'm back. back. I'm back. <laughs> now she's slipping I think into we some should have. other accent. I'm not sure. You know what would be fun if we had like episodes where like we had to try to speak in an accent the whole time. Like like tonight we're doing a British accent and yeah. then we're doing a well. I thought you're a French Italian um, last episode. So that My was accents are the worst. I used to have, think I had a good French accent, but it always sounded like a pirate. <laughs> like I don't know. It just sounded like a pirate. The only thing that I'm okay at sometimes is um, a New Zealand or Australian accent, and just because I hear it frequently. Um, you hear it frequently? Yeah, we have a lot of people from New Zealand sample? that are raft guides. Oh, okay. uh, I have to think about what I'm going to say. Uh, Mailbick. Mailbick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at a British accent. I think we should do a British night. Let's hear your British. We should actually we should actually do a night that we're... Um, oh, you sound so proper. Yeah, I know. Actually, you can, do, you can do the proper English or you can do like the... Um, I don't know. I can't actually think of anything Cockney. that wouldn't be... My Fair Lady, yeah. where she's like... The Rhine and Spine. <laughs> falls mine, lay on the Pine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Anyway... Um, why, I forget what we were, what we were talking about. Anyway, oh, how you got into it. Yeah, how did you get into it? Like, So yeah, I went through x-ray school. How did you get into it? How did you get into it? <laughs> so when I started Shimmy. Um, when I started x-ray school, so it's actually a program through the hospital that I work for. Um, oh, that was beautiful. Round two. Beautiful. Um, we have a chance to rotate through all of the different modalities. And, and where did you go to school just for... Um, I went through the RMH School of Radiation Therapy. And what credentials do you have? (laughs) (laughs) So actually, it was in conjunction with a um, local community college. Mm -hmm. But in what state? uh, In Virginia. Thank you. Yes, in Virginia. Virginia. Um, She's Virginian. Yes. So I actually went into it thinking that I I knew that I wanted to. No, she's married and has a baby. I got a baby. (laughs) You ain't a Virginian? (laughs) Your son's real cute. I saw his J-poop. (laughs) <laughs> it's the poop scene around, around the world. world catch the last episode to hear that story i think we should put it on the facebook actually <laughs> a picture of I, poop. yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a crowd moment for everyone um so yeah i actually went into um x-ray school knowing that i wanted to specialize in something mm-hmm. and i thought it was going to be nuclear medicine um that's what i knew about um 
And I didn't actually even know what radiation therapy was. I had never heard of it. Somebody actually mentioned to me, we have a, um, you know, a friend that we grew up with who I actually work with now. And who? somebody was like, oh, Karina. Oh, duh. Somebody was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Karina, she's doing the same thing as you. And I was in x-ray school. She's like, yeah, she works in the cancer center. She's in radiation therapy. I was like, no, that's nothing. She, that's something different. I don't know what she does. I don't even, that's not x-ray at all. <laughs> and then, so, um, you know, I went through my rotations and rotated through radiation therapy. And I was like, oh, like I never knew that this existed, Mm -hmm. but I really like it. Um, So one thing that I was talking about is just getting to know your patients. You get to see them every day um, and just like build that rapport with them. But also um, you are Monday through Friday. You typically are off by like five or so. You don't work the weekends. You do take call, but you don't typically get called in. I mean, it's kind of rare. Why Um, would you get called in? There are certain things that are deemed emergencies like um, a cord compression. So a patient might have a tumor that is um, suddenly compressing their spinal cord. Mm. And so suddenly they can't walk or something like that. That makes Um, sense. So we'll have to get them in there, get like start with a high dose of radiation to relieve those symptoms. Or um, lately we've had a run of these. Things seem to come in threes. Um, What's called a superior vena cana syndrome, an SVC syndrome. Um, and that is where, and you guys probably know more about <laughs> you know the, the superior SBC. vena cava than I do, but um, basically a lot of times they'll have a lung tumor and it compresses the superior vena cava oh. and they will, um, you know, have difficulty breathing. Their face will like, and their extremities will bulge mm. and swell and mm. they'll actually have like veins sticking right. out. And so that's another thing that. Um, and Sarah, explain where the superior vena cava is so people. So it's um, a blood vessel that feeds into your right atrium. So the right atrium is this part, the part of your heart that receives all the blood that comes back from your body. So it's deoxygenated. It's all coming back. So the reason you might swell up if you have the SVC syndrome, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is because now all that blood that's coming back, some of it's coming from the inferior vena cava, the stuff that's coming from below the heart. But all the stuff from your arms, your head, your neck, is all trying to go in there and it's blocked. There's a traffic jam and it's all blocked. It's all backed up. And we get to talk about traffic jams again. Is it a bottleneck or is it just blood cell stupidity? (laughs) Why can't they get through where they need to go? If they just, you know, merged, could they just do it? You know, it's funny. (laughs) So it's called superior, even though it's like, because I'm thinking of everything is like in reference to the heart, but Mm -hmm. it's inferior to the heart. I'm thinking it's the, right? The one going this way and here's the part and it's going, everything draining from going up. The Superior vena cava is the one that's coming from What's the top. One? Inferior. Oh, so it is the inferior. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I work in cardiology. Don't mind me. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So the superior. Okay. So the I was superior the is the better one and the inferior is the dumb one. Yeah. I mean, I, that's really rude because they both are extremely important, but yeah. Okay. No, he's but, dumb. But see, the reason I, I think I got confused is because I'm thinking the lungs, but okay. Oh, but if it was like over here, it would be compressing. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That wasn't very visual. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, we all just if I'm grabbing my left boob and then, yeah, that was like my, my left upper <laughs> boobage. Um, okay. Got it. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, we do take call, but like I said, it's it's kind of rare that we get called in um, and we're closed on most holidays. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cushy in that way. And I really enjoy it. And I also enjoy the aspect of like pretty much knowing what your schedule is for the day. 
Um, you know, in diagnostic x-ray, you're kind of just like, whatever comes in the door mm-hmm. is what you're going to do. And I hate that. Like, I can't operate that way. I need to have some kind of like... To get like anxious. Plan. Like, because you're yes. not sure what... Yeah, that's So like I'm. during my clinical rotations um, as an x-ray student, we had a trauma rotation and we would sit in the ER and literally just like wait for stuff to print off this printer. And... <laughs> And it would like tell you what's coming. So you're just like an order. Like basically, like a patient would come through the ER and, you know, they would get evaluated and the doctor would or nurse would put in an order of x ray this. Uh And then it would print off our printer and then you would, whoever wanted to grab it would grab it and go x ray that. But Uh I just could not handle the the anticipation of something yeah. printing and oh, like I feel and then, anxious already yeah. and then <laughs> like, something no. would, something would print off and like people would kind of be like oh, I'm not gonna do that you know like they Who's would gonna <laughs> grab it right yeah. right yeah. and as a student I'm like oh, here I'm gonna go do right. it you know Wait, why would two people not want to do certain things what would you not want to do now that you're not a student anymore and you oh. have experience <laughs> oh Anything, they like to call patients walkie-talkies. I don't know if like, so anybody that's going to be like difficult to move and position and lift, um, things oh. like that. Anything mm-hmm. that's like potentially gross or messy. I'm not sure. What about All like I a know kid? Is, what's that? Would you want a kid or not? Because they're really like squirmy and freaking yeah, out and hate you. Some people are really just good at that. Like some people mm-hmm. would would grab that mm-hmm. and know okay. that like that's a, something that they're good at. But yeah. other people are like, eh, I'm not yeah. going to do that. Uh-huh. Um they have some interesting immobilization devices for x-raying children. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh-uh. Now I can't even remember what it's called. It's uh, a straight jacket. Uh, it's called like a... <laughs> That's something else, Sarah. <laughs> and all children should have them. <laughs> have I'm to look just this kidding. Sarah, Sarah's like also not a parent, so don't... <laughs> <laughs> but I do love kids. I'm just playing, but... Apparently not that much. <laughs> I think kidding. it's called like a pigostat. I'm going to have to look this up. <laughs> yes, it is called a pigostat. And you use it for... This can be our medical word of the day. You use it for a chest x-ray on a child. So I have seen (laughs) pictures of baby in one of those. So let's find It's like a big plastic tube and you kind of like put them in there so they can't move. What the heck? So, okay. So for anyone who's ever had a chest x-ray or any x-ray for that matter, it's very important to be still Mm -hmm. or else the image quality is going to suck and they're not going to be able to see what they need to see. And so so for a child, you know, if they have a cough or something and they want to check for pneumonia or whatever, you you have to get a chest x-ray. Well, you know, they're not very good at holding still. Yeah. And you have to get their arms above their head. And so this little contraption is basically like a plastic tube that just like squishes them, keeps their arms above their head. And so it looks like an inner tube that the baby's (laughs) lower body is sitting in, but it's not an inflatable inner tube. It's just a hard metal or plastic. And then there's something that holds their torso. <laughs> this poor kid, he seems to be tolerating it well. We should all have one of those at home. Just be oh like, my God. I'm putting in the pigo, whatever. Right. What's it well, called? Pigostat. Pigostat. Why is it called I'm so bizarre? Sure. Yeah, so there's a plastic tube coming Instead up. Instead of time out, it. it's pigostat time. <laughs> We're going to stick you in the pigostat. That's it. But it's actually pretty helpful because you, typically they start to cry because mm-hmm. they're freaked out and they can't move. And so they're inflating their lungs. To take, yeah, you need them to take a deep inspiration. And so you'll be like holding the x-ray button like and they'll be like ah. yeah and, like, and then you like, beep yeah. got it awesome <laughs> very clever yeah clever so. invention <laughs> kind of want to get in one you're like look at me guys yeah. don't you wish we had those when we were babysitting Michael and Caitlin and Andrew <laughs> when they were kids they're younger siblings oh my yes. gosh okay. yes 
I would have loved to put Andrew in a pigastat when he was about 12. Pigastat. I'm so happy still use one these days. (laughs) (laughs) Some real large ones. Just going to lift them and put them in there. Oh, we could do it. (laughs) (laughs) I would not put it past you. (laughs) Man. Wow. Um, That's a lot of really interesting stuff. I'm I'm so curious about like, like I did one rotation in Piedzonk, pediatric oncology and uh, in a really, in a big children's hospital. And it was like my favorite rotation ever. And everyone's like, you're terrible. Like it's kill kids with cancer. Mm -hmm. But it was like the happiest floor because there's, colors everywhere and the walls are decorated and like people are coming in to do art with the kids all the time and there's tv shows and the nurses are colored and always acting happy even though it's like sad situation but you're trying to keep the kids happy so and then the challenge upbeat right everything is you know but um you know of course then you're dealing with the families that are really upset and and the kids who don't feel well and stuff but um it was yeah interesting wouldn't it be great if we could make that much effort elsewhere in right. healthcare. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have the resources to do it. Sorry, everyone. It's not going to happen. But like... <laughs> what, to create this great atmosphere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking about the PJ paralysis. Yeah. Um, that was a movement where they try to get people out of their PJs and gowns and mm-hmm. into regular clothes. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we could play some nice music? And, uh, right. So that is one thing that is my specialty in the department. I'm really? the department DJ. Oh, no way. So, really? You You're know, cool. the, the machine that I've been working on actually... The patients are in there longer than, um, you know, like I said, we have two different treatment machines. They work in kind of a different way. So the patients in my room right now are typically on the table for a half an hour, some patients up to an hour. And so um, I liked, and it's really noisy. You don't just um, entertain them with your jokes. We do that as well. (laughs) (laughs) And do you speak like you're behind the glass and you like, there's like a No, so we, well, we do have a speaker into the room, um, but in the particular room I'm working in, they can't hear anything (laughs) It's an issue. They can't hear anything we say. Uh, Um, So like, anyway, I like to kind of get to know the patients and find out what kind of music they like. mm -hmm. And and then I like to make it like a little playlist (laughs) and like give them options. So they come in. I'm like, what are we listening to today? And they'll be like, put in that Motown mix. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. And I don't know. Like it just, just like humanize them Uh a little more just to be like, hey, here's somebody who like knows me and cares about me and yeah. you know they feel like they're not just like in a medical setting and right it know. makes a big difference because mm-hmm. it is medical but you have to do that type of stuff right you know like sarah whenever we get called into um, the nuclear department in our office when something bad's happening she always like goes in and then while we're kind of standing there I know this because she trained me. And so we we're standing there and she'll always be like, you want to hear a joke? And like, she like tells it where everyone's quiet for a second. She tells a joke and it gets people like loosened up a little because right. it's an intense situation. Yeah. Okay. You know, something's going wrong maybe with your EKG. So the electrical activity in your heart, um, you're not feeling well or everyone's a little uptight because it is an important, intense situation. And Sarah goes in there and it's kind of quiet because we're waiting for things to normalize after maybe we gave a medication that's supposed to help. And she goes, and it's like telling a joke and everyone's laughing. And you guys want to hear a bad like, joke? Yes, always. This is, okay. this is it. Did you hear about the deaf gynecologist? No. Apparently he can read lips. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Only certain patients get to hear my uh, right. dirty joke. You really have to fill things up first. Yeah. I love Test the this. waters. I love, you want to yeah. hear a clean one? Okay, what's the difference between a well-dressed man on a bicycle and a poorly dressed man on a tricycle? What? A tire. 
I've now you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Uh, yeah, I like to tell people jokes and just uh, lighten the mood or ask them about where they live. Yeah. Where's your accent from? That's one of my favorite questions. People have accents, and I'm always trying to pinpoint where they're from. Mm-hmm. And people like to talk about themselves. You yeah. know, they it makes them feel more at ease. Mm-hmm. It kind of breaks down that barrier of mm-hmm. like. Um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but like the formalities, mm-hmm. right? Like and now it we're dehumanizing. Yeah. It makes it makes yes. the person treating you a person who cares about right. you a person. You know, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Very important. Yeah, I had a um. This this is just a, a cancer patient story that I have because other than that first um, nursing job that I have, which by the way I didn't stay there very long because. It was not a good fit for me. The I cancer job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can't. That was just too much for me at the time. I could maybe do it now, but anyway, now I'm just obsessed with cardiology. Um, I had a patient on a cardiology unit a few years ago, and I'm not sure why she ended up on our unit. I don't think she had a cardiology issue. But anyway, she was a woman from Mexico whose family didn't believe in Western medicine. And <clears throat> she had something that started off as a you know, a skin problem near on her breast and it was ulcerative breast cancer. Mm -hmm, Have you ever mm -hmm, seen that or heard mm -hmm. of it? I didn't even know that was a thing. So basically she was getting these blisters or, you know, her skin and her tissue would ulcerate and then it would just burst. And it just went on and on and on until eventually they realized that whatever, you know, um, healing methods they were using weren't going to work. And so she came to the U.S. for treatment, but it looked like someone sat a bomb on her chest, you know, not a huge bomb. It didn't mm-hmm. kill her, but something that just made just superficial wound damage completely destroyed both breasts. And, um, you know, I'm not even sure what they were doing cancer-wise for treatment at the time. Yeah. I only had her one day and I did a dressing change and it took us over an hour to do the dressing change because it was just such a massive mm-hmm. wound. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Anyway. Awful. Did her family come with her to like support her or if they didn't believe in it, did I don't think I'm they were. They weren't somebody. against her coming. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think someone came, but I'm sure not everyone came. You know, yeah. she wasn't from, you know, just across the border. She was from somewhere, you know, deep in Mexico. So yeah. I, I don't think it would have been easy for everyone to come with her. But oh. anyway, and she had to come here like illegally. Like, like, did she have to go through all that and I cancer? Have no idea. And that's yeah. crazy, man. I did you- doubt she could have crossed illegally that mm-hmm. would have you know she was really sick so right I'm sure that's she what came, i was thinking yeah some other way um maybe she claimed asylum or something because mm-hmm. she needed health anyway yeah. i'm not really sure what the situation was but it was just that blew my mind mm-hmm. yeah i think it's really challenging to work with cancer patients because it's you see some really challenging things right and i'm really proud of you oh <laughs> i'm proud of you <laughs> stop <laughs> No, I'm really happy that you're joining. I think that your uh, your patients are really lucky because you really do Aww, care. That's sweet. I, I do. I yeah. love you. Aww, love Aww. Me too. Oh, look <laughs> at you guys. <laughs> we got into this. Sorry, uh, we got into this. Um, I think it was Netflix. I don't know something show last night called Dark. Oh my gosh, what is it called? Dark um, Star. No orchestra. No matter. No. Oh. I love dark. That'd be cool though. No, but it's like people that are into dark tour. Oh, dark tourism. That's what it's called. Dark tourism. So you go. Oh, I just saw that popped up on things suggested for me. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I kind of was, didn't sleep all night because I was thinking about it. But, um, so it's these tourists who basically, it's one guy who puts on the show and, um, 
he finds all these crazy, like, have you heard of the suicide forest in Asia? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he went there. He's gone to places where uh, somewhere in Asia there was like a big tsunami because of, uh, and then it caused an electrical power plant to um, go off. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix Dark Tourist. It's crazy. So we watched like, I think, two episodes. They talk. in the first one, sorry, I'm all over the place, but in the first one, he meets Narcos. What was the guy? Uh, yeah, the uh, the guy from Colombia. Yeah, the main um, the main guy that was an actual person. Come on. And, um, the yeah, say hello, Pablo Escobar. Scarface. No, Pablo. Scarface, okay, yes. no, 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 yeah. Pablo Escobar. <laughs> so in the first episode, <laughs> fail. <laughs> Reality. Okay. So the first episode, they meet. Say hello to my little friend. That's all. my titi. Okay. So they meet Pablo Escobar's um, assassin, like one of his assassins. And have you seen the Netflix show Pablo Escobar or Narcos? It's called Narcos. I've seen an episode of it and it's in sleep. I think it's fabulous. Um, I learned a lot, but it's really interesting. So you meet this guy and he's like, I really didn't, the the guy putting on the Netflix show, he's like, I really didn't want to like you, but you're a really likable person. And he like killed his own girlfriend for Pablo Escobar and like has murdered all these people. But you're all right. But you're good. But that's why he's saying like (laughs) talking with you because now they make money because Pablo Escobar was killed, right? So Mm -hmm. they make money talking about his life and these people that used to work for him. Like I used to do this stuff and pretending they're like, killing people and it's like this thing for tourists it's crazy so he does all this stuff for dark tourism um i mean they went into radiation zones so they're saying that point two they went into the um oh what are they called on uh on the show we're watching with the white hats and the red. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they went into I'm the colonies. The colonies. Oh, God. the colonies. Yeah, yeah the sure. biggest brain <laughs> part. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's. Yeah. <laughs> Love that show. By this point in the podcast, we've had a lot of wine and... No. <laughs> oh, the but, thing. It's the thing <laughs> with right? the stuff and I you know, know what you're the saying. person. So, but dark tourism. I mean, really, it's fascinating because it's some things that you would... Like you want, you're curious about that you don't actually want to go there because, like, what I was saying is they say it okay, 0.2 radiation, you'd be really concerned, and they're going into these like 0.79, I mean, not point, but seven point something or nine point something, and then all of a sudden everyone voted. We don't want to continue this tour. This is. Yeah, that's pretty not, fucked up. We're Why not would you okay. too dark? Yeah, it was it was crazy. Just the stuff that they did, and we just get to sit on our couch and watch this. Yeah. Why is that a tourist uh, thing? Is it a tourist thing, or right? were they it, no, just it deciding is. to no, go? No, it's a tourist thing. Is this like really rich people who? No, they look like normal people who are interested in. Like, I'm really curious about these bizarre things, but I wouldn't do it. Like, I'm not brave enough mm-hmm. or don't want to risk my life. But there are people that do Hmm. and so they made a show which I think is brilliant because people want to know about it and some guy was like I'm gonna cast on that idea and actually do it and um so we've only watched like two episodes and it's really fascinating they've gone to Mexico they've done I mean really um there's one actually it reminded me of it because you talked about crossing the border Hmm. or I brought it up or something and um they have a thing for tourists showing how difficult and dangerous it is to cross the border so you can go and you meet at like three in the morning 
and there's a guy that's supposed to be your tour guide. It's pretending it's real, right? What? That's fucked across cross up. the border and you get like guns pointed at your head and people steal your stuff and steal your rings and this woman lost her like $3,000 ring. Good. She should lose it. This is a really fucked up tourist thing well, to do. No, but what... Like no. here are, here's a situation where people are like... No, 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 but let me finish. Let okay. me finish. So what the point is, the people putting it on are discouraging natives and tourists to think, to say, is you will die you will be robbed you should not try to do this this is a really dangerous thing you need to you know try to stay in your country like they're trying to explain even for people I know seeking refuge but it usually ends up with loss of life or you know really bad things are now of course family separated so they're showing that it's not it's not like oh you can because there's there's romanticized stories about oh you just go and you cross over and whatever but it's showing how it's really hard and you're most likely either going to lose your life or lose something really important and okay but it's terrible here's the problem i have with that do you think that people in mexico are watching this show and learning something from it no but i mean people in mexico actually do the tour like on that show there's actually like mexican people going because maybe they were trying to seek and now they're like don't do it you're gonna die you're gonna lose your life i don't know i don't agree yeah, it I'm was just, just it, really it was a bizarre, weird thing to on watch. The tour. Yeah. Um, there yeah. were people from like other countries, which I thought was really fucked up. Like, <laughs> it's not a funny thing to do. Like, why yeah. would you tour that? Yeah, that's really messed up. Yeah. Um, but there were also some Mexicans that were there in that live there doing it. So I don't know, but it was just weird. It was a part of some weird, this whole show is like pushing boundaries of like, this is really fucked up, weird, mm. uncomfortable shit, and you're doing it. So he apparently heard about this and was like, well, I'm going to do it. But it was weird because he wasn't, didn't seem like he was taking it seriously. It was kind of like, it was bizarre. I'm curious about the radiation zone too, because why would anyone want to go into a radiation zone unless you're a scientist trying to figure out, is this a safe place for people to go, you know, Mm -hmm. or what do we need to do to make it safe and also mm -hmm. have a ton of protective equipment on? And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm so... I'm just curious. Why would anybody want to go into that? Yeah. Well, they did, they weren't told that it was going to be. They were like, "Oh, don't worry. It's like safe levels." Um, and and he said, <laughs> "What?" They, so everyone brought their own Geiger counters. It's not like provided by the tour. Hey guys, I, just a, uh, just a hunch. We should bring our own Geiger counters. To right. this thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, did maybe. you bring your Geiger? Can I borrow yours? <laughs> oh, sure. I always have one. Of my but purse. like, it's not provided. <laughs> and they said, "Oh, don't worry. It's like it's." It stays at like safe levels and so everyone goes but they bring their own and it's like in these crazy levels and anyone and they decide to end the tour so i i don't know it's it's everything about the show is like kind of iffy like is this is it legal is it like just kind of it's just crazy shit if you want to watch something with like crazy shit that like no one else is really doing you can watch this and it's either (laughs) morally good or not or whatever you know what we could take you on a tour very similar to that um in uh, elmer's barn (laughs) (laughs) elmer's our stepdad and he collects all kinds of old stuff and he has some old dental chair and probably (laughs) some radiation equipment that's just radiating. You just go in the barn, take your Geiger counter. There you go. It's pretty risky. You're living on the edge. You also might fall in a hole huh. through the floor. Is this you're, so like your mom in his house, like in their backyard? There's It's in their front yard. They have a big barn. Okay. It's so a big red yard. barn. Yeah. And uh, everything's in there. And where does he, does it go like, like thrift shop hunting? I don't know where he gets all this stuff from, but he's got a lot of interesting things. Huh. We probably shouldn't say that. 
Too yeah. late, I did. Oh, sorry. There's nothing cool in there at all except for that dentist chair, but it's dangerous. So stay away from <laughs> That's it. That's right. You didn't say where they are. It's That's not right. like they're what is, what is that They're in Canada. American <laughs> pickers. Like, we constantly threaten to call American pickers on him to, like, come uh, and go through his barn. Yeah. <laughs> He gets but all hang freaked on. out about it. Let me it. get all my high school yearbooks out of there first. In <laughs> right. arts and crafts. I have some things in the barn. <laughs> my dad does that. He likes surf shopping is his life. He loves it. Um, I don't blame him because like they used to make things really well and now I feel like they just make things to break so we can buy new things. Mm. So we have like, you know, like 20 toasters that mm-hmm. are, look at this one, but this one's different and opens to the side. And then he won't use our our newer toaster. He's like, that takes so long freaking make your toast. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then his toast burns like every single time because it's not, you know, you can't like say, I want like number four toast. You know, it's like, it's like. It's no, all or nothing. Are you watching? It's, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It's interesting. Well, this was super interesting. Yeah. I, I, I had like so many questions. I feel like it's, we've only scratched the surface. I, I really? <laughs> we'll come back again and visit me yeah. and then do another episode. Yeah. It's cool because I talk to you about work all the time, but I still feel like I learned a lot about what you do on a regular basis. Hmm. Yeah. Know what your day-to-day life is like a little more. I'm glad you found it interesting. I did. <laughs> yeah, that was really... Um, like I learned a lot too. Like you, everyone's heard of radiation therapy and chemotherapy and all the stuff that you don't really know the intimate details. And it we get someone to work who works <laughs> and it and does it. And it's really thank you so much for coming on and yeah, being here. And my pleasure. Um, also, Sarah's sister, which is just really awesome to me because I've heard so much about you and your family, and you've seen so many pictures of your kid. And you know, <laughs> I'm a proud auntie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Oh my sister, does it look like, want to see a video of my nephew? Yes, always. Did you know he <laughs> so knows cute. what all the dwarf planets are did you even know there were dwarf planets yes <laughs> other than pluto okay i don't know maybe not i didn't anyway ben knows yeah, them. he knows them and he That's can name them very smart he can pick them out of a picture like if you show him a picture of a random planet he knows exactly what planet that he's is. two and a half you guys. i feel like i it's like insane. this kid yeah he's also cool. he can poop the alphabet which he is can. like really cool <laughs> <laughs> that's how i'm trying to encourage him to continue pooping in the party i'm like well we did a j let's yeah. see what other letters we can do <laughs> well cheers guys this yeah. was awesome thanks for listening you guys if, do you Thank have follow up questions for Amber for any of us write in and let us know um, or just a story are you a cancer patient do you work with cancer patients just write us any of your questions or comments or weird things that you have wwnurses at gmail.com um, you can find us on Twitter, although we don't really tweet. So you can tweet at us. Oh, Takeshi tweets for us. Thanks, Takeshi. Thank you, Takeshi. <laughs> He's our official tweeter. He's our savior. On Twitter, we're at WhiningWNurses. Whining spelled W-I-N-I-N-G. And our newly found Instagram page. Ooh. Fa- Wait. Oh, yeah. We do have Instagram We now. have Instagram now, guys. And I can't remember our handle. Is it WWNurses or is it I think Whining you made it. I don't really Whatever. Know. You can find it. Just find for Whining with Nurses. And Facebook.com slash WhiningWNurses. There. That's all of our things. And did you do the YouTube? I mean, not, not YouTube. Uh, Insta- like, I mean, YouTube iTunes. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. We're on iTunes now. Yes. So search Apple Podcasts. Thanks to Keshi. Um, subscribe. Uh, yeah. Subscribe on look up Wine with Nurses. And then share it with a friend. Don't be yeah. a jerk. <laughs> Take your friend into the radiation zone with you. <laughs> or don't. Bring your own if you really love them, don't do don't do it. 
<laughs> or if you do it, film it. There you go. There, make some money off of it at least. Short in your life, you know. Hopefully, you've had babies already. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Asta la pasta. Asta la pasta. I'll have to say. Should we cheers again? Yeah. Okay, let's just do it again. We'll cheers. Do it again. I want some more wine.